what is commercial law? It's your <laughs> tour guide, John Hastings, everybody! Oh, thank God. Everyone here who's specifically here to see the show, not Dylan Gott, welcome everybody. What a day. I've, I've had my first cry of the Edinburgh Festival. I don't know if you guys, you guys have mostly just arrived this week for the festival, yes? No one's been here the whole month? You, you live here, so you've been here your entire life. I, I, eight years or? A oh, one year. And what are you doing here? You work just live here? Just one of those people living off your parents' money, hanging out, swinging in a field? No, I know, that was the joke, and you took it so seriously. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, I know you have a job. You are going to put money in the bucket at the end of the show. Stop checking your watch, Howard. Now, I understand you're a lawyer, and you're used to getting paid by the hour, but here, let it loose, baby doll. Now, uh, what do you do for a living? I work for H&M. You work for H&M? Yeah. Let me ask you this about H&M. <laughs> Why do I look like a dick in all of the clothes now? And yet five years ago, everything I looked great. Is it because I've gotten too old to wear the nonsense you guys call clothing? That's a fucking salesperson if I've ever seen one. Oh, no, no, you look good in these skinny jeans where I can see your asshole from the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're in your 30s, a skull t-shirt. Appropriate. Indeed it is. Now, uh, so at the Ember Festival, it's very high pressure for performers because you come up here and your agents and managers go, you'll be a star, I tell you. By the end of the month, your face will be everywhere and they won't call it comedy anymore. They'll call it John Hastings, I tell you. And they're like, are you on coke? A little bit, but that's just because it's the morning. And, and so comedians come up here and there's a lot of expectations. A lot of, you've seen probably a lot of young, young comedians, 21, 22. And that's because they've been plucked by agents and they've been told you're going to go now because Britain has this thing where you guys love young celebrity. He's 19 and he's also a chef and he's also been an actor since he was two. And it's just like, it's a weird sort of facet of it. And they come up here and they're told it's going to go great and it's going to go amazing. And sometimes it does go great and it goes amazing. But there's a lot of factors you have to think about. Will the audience enjoy the show? Is it the right show for right now? Is, are you able to perform for an hour for crowds? It's a very hard thing to realize because some shows do not go well. Not like this one. Going very well. Because here's the thing with audiences. Some of you have seen seven shows in a day yeah yeah and it never not you what's your max amount of shows you'll see you see four that's reasonable but some people i've seen i've had an audience last year where midway through they hadn't laughed once and two people were asleep and i know myself as a comedian i'd been going long enough that i knew it was them and not me and that's a lot of hubris but it's true i, I can make you even if you hate my guts you'll go <laughs> fuck them but <laughs> And I said, all right, how many shows does everyone see? And I started with the number 10, no one. I said, started with the number 9, no one. And then I said 8, and 30 people put their hand. That's too many things to see. Because at a certain point, you'll start seeing the matrix of comedy. Where you go, oh, he's introduced that fact. In four minutes, he's going to pay that off. He's going to introduce this character. That character will say something funny. That'll be brought back at the end. At some point, the father who's been mentioned will die. That will create a moment of tension at 45 minutes, which will actually be specifically put there because no audience can listen to someone talk for an entire hour without having a moment to go... And then we'll laugh again. It'll end in a very nice denouement. So everyone leaves very happy and gives you an applause break. I like how you're shaking your head. Am I reminding you of any shows you've seen? I'm garrulous? I've never been called garrulous before. I don't know what it means. What does it mean? Um, it means um, justifiably verbose. 
thank you. I know what that second word means, but I can fucking tell. Here's the problem with the word garrulous. It does sound like an insult, but it is in fact a compliment. It is a com- I really appreciate it, but when you said garrulous, I was like, Howie, you are becoming the... Br- I, I fucking will. Thank you, brother. <laughs> um, and so if you see, like, four shows is good because it's a balance, and if you do variety, but eight, seven shows, it's insane. So people, if you have an audience of people that have seen that much comedy, they will literally sit there and just go, this is funny, I guess, I, I never want to see comedy again. I want to go to a drama or a dance. And you'll have those shows, and you can have them for a week's and it will break people. And so my only advice to performers when they come up here is I go, one day, you're going to cry. And you have to cry. And especially the men will go, no, I won't have to cry. And I'll go, trust me, you will. And if you don't, you will get drunk the way you've never thought you could get drunk before. And someone will say, let's do MDMA and walk up Arthur's seat. And you will do that. And then it will be seven in the morning and you will see children walking up the mountain as you're walking down. And you will think... Oh God, I have to perform in six hours. How am I to sleep? And it will roll and you'll get depressed. It'll be bad. But it's that you cry, you let it out, you feel good. You don't feel good. You are an adult crying into a mirror. I always cry into the Not always, but usually the mirror is close. I don't know why, but I always tend to cry in some sort of toilet because I just figure if I'm becoming a water feature, I might be around water features. Uh, my favorite Edinburgh cry ever was I was uh, doing the Pleasance and um, my promoters fucked up royally so I had a bunch of very important industry people in and a trick I don't know if you guys have noticed this but you'll see industry people they'll always have lanyards on they'll possibly be taking notes and they'll be sat in a shadowy part of the room and the comedian who will be able to spot them if you see comedians sort of five minutes into the show and they'll begin subtly directing the whole show to sort of one corner (laughs) of the room and anytime a joke doesn't land they can you can see them palpably kind of tell themselves to fuck that like fuck you like that that means there's someone important in and it's not going as well as they want it to go and how you avoid that is you tell all your friends come to this show tonight and you walk them into the venue and they sit in all of the seats and they they don't fake laugh but you basically are like hello and they're like fucking nailed it mate like and you, and, you, and you can usually catch the sort of vibe, especially if you're waiting in a line and there's 10 people in line for a 50-person venue and suddenly there's another 40 people that just walk in from a different door. They've been hiding in the green room because you're not allowed to walk people into your room, but everyone fucking does it. I didn't used to do it because I thought we'd get in trouble. And then I was walked into a venue and, they were, and I said, like, what if we get in trouble? And the person said, what are they going to do? Make me pay the money back I already owe money I was like yeah good point let's start breaking some rules and so um, that'll happen I had that happen in 2014 my uh, my agency at the time did not tell me these people were in or they're get, you give numbers to your promoters so they call all your friends and it's a traded favor they didn't do any of that so I walked in and it was literally four very important they can't make your career but they can give you some fun gigs and make it a little bit easier to earn the money you need to live sat in the back and then a space and then no, ma- no, amount of, no amount of exaggeration. Four old people, a child, a couple, and a dog that was asleep. <laughs> you try and be funny when competing with a dog and a baby. There is one rule in the world of theater. If there is a baby or a dog on stage, 
stop acting no one's fucking watching you now try and tell jokes while there is a dog asleep and when i tell you he was a chocolate lab that was the cutest boy in the world he was i didn't even want to do the show i wanted to bring the dog on stage give him belly rubs tell him that i love him and then he and i would go on a walk and everyone else can go fuck themselves so i did that show and i got the worst thing you can get as a performer even in life depending on what you do whatever you do good or bad you want a reaction if someone hates it at least they fucking hated it and if someone loves it at least they fucking love there's nothing more fucking heartbreaking than it was fine <laughs> oh nothing will just send you for the showers quicker just like give me a bottle of red wine and a, and, a, and 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 a, and a copy of 50 shades of gray but it's missing the first 10 chapters so it's nothing but weirdly described snm sex i tried to write read 50 shades of gray just because it was it is it's not even well written. Like, there's grammatical errors in a published book. And I, I am the king of grammatical error. How do I spell your however the fuck I want to? I don't care. Is it are you, you are coming to the show or you're coming to the show? Is it my show? Depending on how I've typed that email that day. Who the fuck knows the context? Are we there yet? Well, that depends on how I've spelt it. Right now, we possess there. Some of you are very young and possibly even... Did you, are you guys aware that literally's definition has been changed to include the sarcastic use of I literally killed him? So in the English language, the word for literally both means something actually happened and something didn't happen at all. When the apocalypse comes, they are going to point to that as a reason why it happened. What happened to the glorious West? Um, they changed their definition for the word that something for sure happened to it happened or it didn't happen. One day someone started thinking about that and eventually just went, press the button, we're doomed for eternity. Um, and so I walked out of the show and uh, one of the people I have a friendship with, but it's very strange when you have friendships with very important people in show business. I don't know, what, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a student. You're a student, what, what do you aspire to do for a living? Uh, science communication. Science communication? Oh, that's important, but also I have no idea what it is. <laughs> Is it the science of communication, or are you telling people about science? Telling people about science. Oh, you really should, because <laughs> there's, there's a large group of people that think you guys are liars. <laughs> I don't think you are. Most of it's come true. Like, how do you feel about climate change? Sounds fake, but okay. It's, climate change sounds fake? Are you serious? No. Thank fucking God. I, uh, for a second, I was like, get the fuck out of here. It's definitely real. It used to snow in London all the time, and now it snows like once every three years, and everyone walks around going, oh, well, they said it was global warming. In the 80s, they changed the definition again. Science, science is allowed to evolve, you pricks. I have one friend who denies climate change, and he, I can't, it drives me insane. Howard, are you departing? Bad news for you, five minutes ago. Where are you going? C.L. Murray. C.L. Murray? That's totally fine. Uh, only because I like Al Murray. That. You already paid for it? That's fine. I really appreciate it. That said, it is free to get in. It's not free to get out. There's a cup underneath <laughs> Tom's chair. I want to see some of that sweet, sweet commercial money. <laughs> but before you go, let me tell you about Al, Al Murray, for, by the way. You guys know who Al Murray, the pub landlord? He's a very divisive character. Uh, Sonia, he's, a, he's sort of the a British equivalent of Larry the Cable Guy, kind of. 
but he portrays sort of a publican kind of landlord dude and he says a lot of satirical stuff and for a couple of years he got a lot of attacks because people were saying that he wasn't doing the character in a way that people could realize he was satirizing that type of British person they thought he was just glorifying it and he's not he's satirizing I saw his show not this tour the last tour it was one of the most subversive pieces of satire ever he proved why Brexit was a good idea and he just brought it completely back to there'll be another World War II and remember how much how good we feel about World War two in britain right now won't that be fun to live through it's fucking amazing so we were in australia together and we went for a lunch by the beach and australia has trams in the similar way that Edinburgh has trams and that it exists and it somewhat goes to where you want to go more that it goes adjacent to where you want to go but if you don't exactly know where to get off you just end up in a different town and no one helps you and so we got on a tram thinking it would take us back to our hotel instead we just ended up in another beach and we're walking along and i'm talking to uh, to al marini he's a celebrity and these certain things and we start talking and uh, and he just turns to me and just in that beautiful sort of tone and he goes now John would you like to hear some facts about World War One that would astonish you and I said yes Al Murray I would and he went first off the Germans poured cement for their trenches well, the British didn't think they would be, that, be there that long. Fact number two, the trench warfare was actually invented by the Maoris, but the Maoris uh, placed escape tunnels in the trenches so when things got too wet down there, you could get back to camp and warm up. When the British found the uh, trenches, the Maoris had collapsed the escape tunnels, so they just didn't know that you were supposed to build escape tunnels into trenches for trench warfare, so they did it wrong. And I was like, those are two facts I'm absolutely astonished by. Thank you, Elmer. And he went... Very good. And then we just walked away. So, Howard. Yeah, he's highly educated. He's very highly educated. I'm sorry to miss the rest of your show. No worries, brother. It's going to be like this, only more so. <laughs> Thank you, Howard. Again, don't, if you, I don't see some fucking jingle jangles in that cup, I will be suing you using... Who is the other lawyer? It's underneath his seat. There's some, uh, there's some flyers in it. I always like to make sure my show has a nice tension-filled lull in it. <laughs> I think what we'll do is we'll get the title of the episode. What is your name? Veronica. Veronica? If your name's Betty, I'm going to jump out the fucking window. Where'd you believe? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> do you guys still... Did anyone else watch the, the teen drama Riverdale that came out that I'm far too old to enjoy but still watched every fucking episode of? They reimagined Riverdale as if it was like Beverly Hills 90210 and like Reggie got shot and no, Reggie's a, a, a gay man and he's Asian and it's a whole thing and Archie has sex with Mrs. Grumble and oh, Mr. Weatherby's a black guy. It is very cynically a piece of shit and also I couldn't stop watching the fucking thing because it was like just plagued on your emotions like it's like are they going to have sex? No, but there is the diamond heist and you're like where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> this is an I watch Game of Thrones like everyone else so we can walk around going don't tell me what happened but the problem with that show is it's just a little too thinky and smart what happened to television where it's like put this on it's a piece of shit and bad for you but you'll be highly enjoying by it like <laughs> We all sit here. We love it. I watched every episode of Melrose Place about a decade after it was canceled. I had just moved to Britain. I was feeling very lonely. And you know what? Got me through. It. How it's a television show, I'll never know. Here's the premise. It's people living in a block of apartments. And uh, one of them dies. Another one's a twin impersonating another twin. And another one gets pregnant. And we never find out the father because the show was canceled. <laughs> So, Veronica, you are going to draw out a title for the show, and this will be the actual title of the show when it's released. Now, before you read it, uh, Tom, I would like you to tell Veronica how she is to deliver this title, an accent, an emotion, 
possibly an activity that she could be doing while delivering the title? Brian Blessed doing what? Stood on a nail. Stood on a nail. Follow up question. Everyone else knows who. Uh, I don't know who Brian Blessed is. Do I. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Thank you. Ever seen Flash, Flash Gordon? Of course I've seen Flash Gordon. I'm a man with eyes. Big oh, okay. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, the movie Flash Gordon is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Here's the premise. Football star on an airplane and a guy who is what English people used to think Chinese people were. So just a bald man with a Fu Manchu mustache and still a British accent for no reason named Ming the Merciless. Because when we're being racist, you want to be right on the fucking nose about it. Um, he uh, holds uh, control of a planet called Mongo. They really fucking took a break when they named some of the names of this planet. And he's the emperor of it, and he has a machine that can torture other planets, and he's doing it for pleasure. So he starts torturing Earth and causing all these weather disturbances. And then this weird scientist hijacks the plane for no reason because he knows that Earth needs a hero to fight Mongo. And Flash Gordon, an American football player, is the perfect hero. Now that we know about American football players, I don't think that he would have been a hero. I think he would have punched a woman and then demanded money for it. And it's an accurate depiction of most of their activities. Anyway, so they go to the planet, and then Timothy Dalton is just playing James Bond, but he's dressed in green leather and has a bow and arrow, and then him and Flash Gordon become friends, and then they fight a golden robot, and then him and a lady get married, even though there was no romantic tension between them whatsoever. Like, I have more tension with this chair than he did with the woman in that movie, right? Brian Blessed, by the way, plays Hawkman. It's a pretty clever name for the character. He's a guy who's got wings and he flies. I think that that movie was written by an eight-year-old who was asked, what are you doing today? And he just rambled on for 10 minutes and a movie executive who got a hold of some really good cocaine was just like, yes, make it, good. Get me Dalton, get me... Who the fuck plays... Who's Ming the Merciless? It's like a famous... It's Max von Sydow, one of the greatest actors ever, clearly needed a pool and said, yes, I will wear a bald cap and pretend to be what... British people who went to Eton think an Asian is. Do yourselves a favor and watch it because it is bad. So you think you can do it? It's like a big, boomy, sort of raspy voice, but he stood on a nail, so that's up to your artistic interpretation. Well, this is a little pressure. It's not really. Don't worry. I, I, it's, listen, I call this a show, and some of you are confused that I even do this for a living. Already, you had the most beautiful actor prepares. Actually, I'll give you a second. I'll tell you, I started a tangent and didn't finish it. The reason why I cried today is I have an iPod. And I know some of you are so young, you don't know what that is. Before iPhones, Apple made music things that had a spinny wheel, and you could put all your music on it, and it was the thing after CDs that made your parents go, boom, now i got to buy the White Album again. And... <laughs> And so all of my music's on it, and I have had this thing forever, and it keeps breaking, and I keep taking it to sketchier and sketchier computer guys. Like, the time was, you take it to the Apple store. The most recent time it broke, I literally met a Turkish guy in a Costa coffee, and he fixed it in the bathroom. Like, it's, it's just, Apple's trying to get rid of all of its old technology, so you're forced to only buy the more and more useful iPhone over and over and over again in a continual perpetual motion. And so it broke, and I don't know why, but it just... 
at the beginning of the festival, I handed it to my tech, and she's 21, and she went, what is this? Is this your phone? And I wanted to drown her in her own blood. And, and I was like, no, it's an iPod. You just play the music. And every day, she just goes, I don't know how you guys use this. There's no screen you can touch. And I'm like, when the power goes out, what do you do? Just scream until someone helps you? <laughs> And, and also what really annoyed me is she's like, it's so clunky, but she's using a lighting board that has knobs and things like that. But th- anyway, it broke today. And I was just like, motherfucker. And it was just one of those things where I'm a bit tired and I'm missing my girlfriend and someone was in the toilet and I really had to poo. And you know when you really have to and you verge into that weird emotional moment where you're like, am I going to have to shit myself in a house I'm paying for? Like, it's one thing you get too drunk and you accidentally pee yourself a little bit. It's another thing to just like, time is, yeah, we've all done it. It's really weird. <laughs> By the way, that England, I, I haven't seen any of the advertisement, but in England, they're now advertising for various things you can put in your underwear that just soak up the pee because you're too drunk <laughs> and you piss yourself. If you are doing that on a regular enough basis that that product appeals to you, stop fucking drinking. Or just be an adult and wear a diaper and no trousers and just go, this is how I get down and have a great time. So I, I cry just a little bit. And also we're living, I'm living with three comedians and one of the comedians, or four, I'm living with three people. One of them has her sort of godmother is visiting, and her godmother is one of those like, you know, those burnt out posh ladies who lived through the '60s who now say "darling" slightly too much, <laughs> and like, and like the, the their, her partner's passed away, and she's up, and it's like literally living with the woman from Sunset Boulevard. Like she said, I remember when I came to the Fringe once, and it was only poets, and now look at all of you. And I was like, I don't think it was ever just poets. I think you just came to Edinburgh one day and met a poet. But (laughs) we've never met before, but she thinks we've met before because she's heard about me. So she keeps asking and telling me about interactions that we've had that are clearly other people. Like, do you remember when we were chatting in the toilet? I'm like, that must have been a woman. (laughs) Like, that was not me. I very rarely go into ladies. I used to go into ladies' rooms all the time. Not because I'm a creep. I was just raised by a single mom. And when you were in a public place, I was taken into the ladies' room as a kid, which, by the way, completely removed any sort of thought. You know how a lot of men have this sort of thought that, like, women don't poo, and they're, they're much cleaner than men? I've seen your toilets. You guys are way grosser than any man has ever been. The idea that people talk about, oh, you could eat ice cream out of a woman's toilet. No, you couldn't. There's loud fart noises, and yet you guys talk to each other, and that is the creepiest. The toilet is a time for silent reflection. It's a place to cry, judge yourself, think about, really, did I need that second burrito? No, I didn't, and my body agrees. That's what you should be doing. Instead, it's just, and again, this is a bit stereotypical, but it is a memory of my childhood being in Carlingwood Mall and uh, in, the sh- in, the, in the toilet, and I was there, and my mom was in the stall, and I was just stood there, and there were two women just, just loudly discussing um, a man, I can even remember his name, his name was Brad, and they figured out they both had made out with Brad at the party last night because they both had sores on their face from his beard. Looking back with the hindsight of adulthood, I'm like, I don't think it was from his beard. And also, that is the quickest herpes is ever activated in a human being. Um, Veronica, you're a woman of science. And now you will be a woman doing a very ill-informed Brian Blessed impersonation. And uh, fucking jam on. Okay. Am I grabbing the mic? Of course you can. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you can also stand if you want. <clears throat> better for your performance. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, so the title of today's show oh, is... Well, that's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually people just read a cold. 
Colby. You're giving it. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna do it again. The title of today's show is Jaffa Cakes versus Iron Brew. Ouch! Ouch! Or whatever shit people here like, anyway. Whatever. Very good. Beautiful edition of Standing on the Nail. I like that you didn't attempt a Brian Blessed impression at all. You just stood up and spoke in your voice and stood on a nail. Now, it was Jaffa Cakes versus Iron Brew. Jaffa Cakes wins right the fuck away. Thoughts? Okay, why no? I don't like Well, you're allowed. We're human beings. Are you fucked? <laughs> You're saying that Iron Brew, the only drink that does not look like how it would taste. It's supposed to be. Iron Brew is supposed to be orange. Jaffa Cakes, you don't realize it's orange until your creepy friend takes it apart in front of you and you realize that it just looks gross. Okay, I see your point of view, but let's take a step back and point out Iron Brew is orange. It's not supposed to be orange. If you're basing it on the flavor profile, it should be a light pink hue with gray undertones, and the label should read, don't drink this, you've already had medicine once in your life. This is like medicine, only has no healing properties, just makes you misjudge your tongue. Like, do you, are you Scottish? No. English? Uh, yeah, but I lived here for uni. Very good, what are you studying? Uh, I studied mathematical physics. Mathematical physics. So you're... A genius? Uh, no, I, I left after two years. Smart, very good. I've met I've met people that have gone uh, that have gone high level into maths and physics, and they are fucking insane. Oh yeah. I don't listen. Everyone paints us artists, creative people. You can turn and look at each other. I once met a guy. He's my friend Joanne's godfather, and he mapped out the fourth dimension because he felt that he knew what it was, because he was a theoretical physicist. And I said, how do you know what it is based on what someone else knows? And he goes, what are they going to do? Argue with me? Stephen Hawking's in a wheelchair. And I was like, "How? that can't be a point for your favor. And part of me was like, you did go to Cambridge. Did you put him in the wheelchair? Um, and it's, it's one of the most odd, bizarre sort of interactions I've ever had. And I don't know what it is about that level of theoretical mathematics, but it, you stop m- numbers at a certain point, correct? How the fuck can you stop numbers? It's mathematics. That's like if I stopped being funny and did comedy, it would be this show. Now, maybe I'm a theoretical physicist. No. Um, so Jaffa Cakes, the weird orange thing. What, what, what's wrong with that? It's good. Like you, Tom. Jaffa Cakes, Iron Brew. Okay, hands up for Jaffa Cake. Hands up for Iron Brew. Hands up. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up if you live in Scot. Keep your hands up if you live in Scotland and you've just bought into the bullshit propaganda Scottish people feed you about Iron Brew being good. <laughs> so you all live in Scotland. Basically, okay. So I don't know Iron Brew fact. It's like Scotland's the only country in the world where Coke isn't like the biggest selling drink. That doesn't mean it tastes good. That is how the Holocaust happened. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Some of you really believe that was true, by the way. That's an, Iron Brew had very little to do with the Holocaust. If anyone, Coca-Cola had a lot more to do with it than anyone else. Do you, Fanta, do you know why we, Fanta exists? For those you don't know why Fanta exists, Fanta exists because Coca-Cola was no longer allowed to give Coca-Cola to the Nazis. And being the good capitalists they were, they were just like, I know what we'll do. We'll make a company in Austria and call it Fanta. 
ask us no more questions. And they sold to either side because they knew at a certain point the war would end and they wanted to make them cash you money. Now, here's the thing is whenever you criticize Iron Brew, that fact is brought up. That doesn't make it a good beverage. It just means that people here drink it. Do you know why Scottish people drink Iron Brew with such reckless abandon? It's because I asked a friend of mine, my friend Sarah is like the most Scottish human being I've ever met in my entire life. She celebrates Robert Burns Day, which I didn't think anyone else does. She usually wears a tartan on Sunday. That's my mom taking photographs, by the way. It's not some weird, creepy stalker. Uh, She refuses to eat cylindrical sausage, which I'm just like, no, square sausage is stupid. It's that's that's a sausage patty unless you're having a breakfast. I don't want to get into it. Anyway, she explained that there's an old wives' tale that if you drink iron brew at room temperature after getting really drunk, you'll no longer be hungover, and that's why everyone drinks iron brew. While Jaffa Cakes is just something you buy because you're at a grocery shop and you want to treat yourself, and you think, I can only eat just one Jaffa Cake, and then you finish all of the Jaffa Cakes before you leave the shop, and then you go back, buy a box of penguins, and eat all of those in a bed while you're crying because your iPod broke. Now, um, one last question, and then how are we doing for time? Oh, yeah, almost time to wrap up the show. And Howard could have stayed. Let's talk about him for a second. I think that is probably top five the most English person I've ever met in my entire life. It's just There's something about an English man when he hits about, I would say, what did, how old would you say he is? You'd say 60s? Middle 50s to mid 60s English person is the perfect time to deal with them as a people. No offense to the English people in the room. I'm just saying I'm a little pissed off with you guys because last year you guys held a vote and now my money is worth less than it was. And by the way, you blamed it on us, the immigrants. And by the way, I'm the only immigrant. I am an immigrant. Stop fucking looking at me and being like, you're not an immigrant. You're a white guy. Fuck you. That's racist. Now, uh, I am the only foreign person I know who's here specifically taking a British person's job. There would have been a British person here telling jokes, but I took the room and it's my, I'm the only one of all the foreigners I know. Every other foreigner is doing a job that no other British person could do because they wouldn't do it and it really fucking frustrates me and you guys somehow blamed us and I know no one in this room did, but it just, I get on that subject and it really fucking makes me angry because no one's doing anything about it and it doesn't seem like Theresa May cares and she also wears cheetah print shoes and I know that you're allowed to have freedom will but when you're the leader of a country you should not have animal print clothing black (laughs) shoes fuck you're dealing with vladimir putin if we get on that he's eventually going to just show up draped in the flesh of a bear start roaring and then he will fuck kim jong-un in the face i will not stop (laughs) stop trying to silence me so here's the thing the jaffa cake First time I ever had one, I was in Glasgow, Scotland. I was with a comedian named Joe Heenan. He has a Twitter account that you guys have to follow. Uh, he's slowly building a robot out of uh, all of the stuff in his house that his wife tells him to throw out, but he's been hiding it in the shed. He's the fucking best. Um, and he and I were walking. We did a, ga- a gig in Glasgow. We did a gig at the stand that was really good, and then we went to did a gig somewhere else that I won't mention because it went really badly. And unlike Edinburgh, Edinburgh's a ju- there's two types of comedy towns. There's judgment towns, and there's fuck you towns. Edinburgh is a judgment town. Edinburgh people sit silently looking at you like, you ruined my evening and I will write it on Yelp and people will be made aware. (laughs) Glasgow is a fuck you town. They don't like it. You're not done your joke before. 
fuck you get the fuck off stage by the way i know where your mom lives and she's dead and you're like not my mom and i have time to warn her because you will have to fly there and it got very very heated between me and a guy he had a neck tattoo and i said i i like the neck tattoo it always tells you something about the person like for you sir it tells me that you don't want a job because of all the criminal convictions now he was a criminal and he said how do you know i went to jail for stabbing someone and then things went downhill from there and we ended up stood on the street and he was yelling i'm going to stab you and i thought security would help but it's britain and your bouncers do this fun thing where they go he's no longer in the pub let's watch him die and and it just got very very heated and joe like walked me back to my hotel and we were walking by like a there's a tesco's on saki hall street which any show you've seen at the Fringe pales in comparison to what you will see in that Tesco's. It's open till one in the morning on Saturday nights, and I, I saw a woman peeing on the aisle, but she had a mop in her hand, which leads me to believe she went to an employee, prepped them for what she was going to do, and she was ready to clean herself up. Uh, I saw a guy try and steal a pizza, but he mistook the glass wall for the door and just ran into a glass wall, fell down, threw the pizza to an employee, stood up, dusted himself off, and then just strutted out like that was a prearranged part of the show. I really fucking enjoyed it. And then, uh, so we walk in there, I walk in with Joe, and he just buyed me a packet of Jaffa cakes, and he handed me, and we went, mate, you gotta eat all of these when you get back to the hotel room, or it's gonna be bleak. And I said, you want me to eat an entire box of cookies by myself and that won't make it bleak? And he went, it's the orange inside. It's from God. And then we hugged and remembered we were both atheists, but I still like Jaffa Cakes better than Iron Brew. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the show. I'll be at the back. Suggest a donation of 10 pounds. You don't have 10 pounds, just take a flyer. Come to my other show. Thank you for your time. Good night.